You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. We are back here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Talking Detroit Lions. Week one is in the books. We are going to have tons of reaction, as you can imagine. Um, Logan Lamarandier is going to join us uh, for the back half of the show. Me and Grifka are going to do what we do here on the show, which, of course, you guys know, despite the outcome, I've got some positive things to mention. Grifka may have some negative things to mention. We may play them up, as we often do here on the show, for comedic value, but uh, lots to talk about about this football game. And uh, we'll have some fun off the top here, too. So, uh, Grifsky, you're in the building. How are you today? I would like to do my standard, but honestly, I'm still a little heartbroken, still, still a little reeling from, from, from that game on Sunday. So, uh, you know, you can, uh, sorry guys, I'm not doing good, doing good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely, man. I don't think anybody is, but like I say, we're going to, we're going to get to that. There's a Grifka bell off the top, but, uh, before we get Logan in here, Grifka, let's let's talk about some some non-game type items. Like, did did you see me go off on Twitter about the Smurf uniforms? Can can, can we get rid of the the aqua blue pants with the aqua blue jersey? Like, it just makes us look like such wimps, and it's just uh it's embarrassing. It really is. I mean, I I don't I don't understand why we continue to go to this look. I, I and right as I blew up on it. My buddy Wagner, good buddy, Bowley back from high school. He only chimes in from time to time, sends me a text. Oh, I'm loving these jerseys. These are sweet. Let's go. I'm like, are you kidding me? Get the hell out of here with that. Like, are these, are these brutal or do you love them? Well, I, I like the jersey, but I hate the matchup with those pants, like you said. So I, I did notice that, but I'm always under the impression that, you know, your uniforms, it, it, they are what they are. They're not, you're not going to play any better or worse. I mean, they, I don't think they look good. They're not very fashionable. I'm, I don't want to see them on a Paris runway or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, I do like the jerseys. But, you're right. I, I agree with you. I wish they would not match them up with those pants. I wish they would go with the silver or even just you know, some white or something like that. No, not not white. We need just the silver. We're, we're Honolulu blue and silver, everybody. Not Honolulu blue on a Honolulu blue with a side of Honolulu blue. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous <laughs> on so many levels. Uh, gosh, is this 
just keep it consistent. Like I say, there's something about being in a tougher looking uniform and the, the Pittsburgh Steelers rolling in the black and the, and the gold, you know, it's just like, they're not going to come out in yellow on yellow with a side of uh, extra yellow on the helmet. They just don't do that because it's just ridiculous. So that, that pissed me off right off the get go. Gr- Grifka, is it just me or does every ref that comes in to ref a Lions game or even on the road against the Lions does it always feel like it's their first game of all time like we call them up from high school football they're always like taking forever I know in this football game there was times they held up the spot they didn't know you know certain simple elements Matt Stafford's looking at them trying to get a playoff they don't know what they're doing I mean is it just me or does this seem to happen way more than it should with our Lions I would, uh, you know, you you know me, I'm a conspiracy theory guy when it comes to the NFL on certain things. And once again, Derek, I have to agree with you that, uh, yeah, it seems like we always get the guys that are like standing outside, like refing a peewee game, you know, Sunday morning down there. And they're like, all of a sudden, hey, we need refs. You guys over there. Come on. You guys know rules, right? And uh, they get stuck in the game. So uh, I agree with you. There's points I'm just like, um, what are these guys doing? You know, um, you know what's happening here? You know, uh, uh, where'd they get these guys? So, yep, I hear you. Grifko, why do you think they might send the new rookie ref to a Lions game? I mean, what would your conspiracy theory be there with that? Is that something the NFL might cook up for them? Yeah, um, because that's not going to happen, you know, when, um, you know, obviously not one of the nationally televised games, you know, like the 4 o'clock game, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game. If certain teams like, you know, Green Bay or, you know, the Patriots, you know, you know the Cowboys, you know, those teams, they're always going to get the creme de la creme. They're not going to get the, the junkie uh the junkie referees, you know, so I'm always a firm believer. We'd still have the replacement referees if it wasn't for the, you know, the, the fail Mary on Monday night football in Seattle where, you know, Mike McCarthy, now the coach of the Cowboys uh, had to cry, you know, eating his, you know, cheese and bratwurst because, you know, Golden Tate caught a touchdown and he was all sad about it. Grifka, if Mike McCarthy was to cry into something, what would that maybe, maybe be? Oh, he's going to have some bratwurst and some cheese is what he's going to have. And, you know, again, you know, he ain't crying in nothing else. Even in Dallas, you could probably go, you know, find some nice Tex-Mex or something like that. But nope, he's still uh, he's still the bratwurst and cheese guy. Griff, I'm leaving the music up, but I'm asking you, yet you're continuing to miss your gimmick lines. You know it's he cries in the chicken wings. We've said it a million times. <laughs> the chicken wings. You, you can't go to other foods. It's it's he cries in his chicken wings. We've been over this a million times. And and I love the Griffco long-winded answer, but when I asked you why, you could have just said, because the NFL hates the Lions. That would have been good, but you didn't. Oh, okay. You gave the people a 10-minute answer, and you missed your gimmick line, so I had to help you out there. But we'll kill the music. A couple other things off the top here, Grifka. What'd you think of the no fans? I mean, to I'll give my opinion here in a minute. I saw Fox try to, to, to place fans in the stadium to start the game. It looked like a full crowd. Sometimes when they went to a wide shot, there were, there were fans everywhere. They went to a, a Madden cutaway that said dagger time late in the game up in the upper deck, I think right above where our section is, where we sit. Like, what would you think of all this? Did it make a difference? Do you think it impacted the game? I mean, give me a little something before we get to this football game. Um, like game experience watching it at, at home. I know they pumped in that fake sound and when there was like a good play for the home team, it sounded like they, they ramped it up a little bit. Um, I don't think they, even if something kind of went wrong for the home team, it's not like they, you know, toned it down or then, you know, there wasn't like a, a low boo or anything like that. So I guess, you know, watching it from home, I guess I really didn't notice until they like 
you know, there was a certain play where you saw just the seat covers. And then once again, you realized it. Um, I, I don't know how it affected the team or anything like that. I, I don't think so. I don't think they were worried about having fans in the stands. I think there were parts if the crowd was ramped up and amped up. Some, you know, some things could have went different, but you know, game experience watching it at home, no difference to me. So Grifka in summary, uh, as as far as it impacted the game, you're not quite um, not quite. Yeah, I'm not quite for sure how it affected our beloved Detroit Lions. Uh, I thought you might be uncertain about that one, but uh, in my opinion, like I was so happy to have football. I was so happy to have fantasy football. I I didn't think it it made it made a difference. I mean, I'm sure if the players on the field, the people in the stadium, it felt like a you know, a quiet walkthrough practice or just a, they could definitely tell the difference, I'm sure. But this is no excuses, man. This is the situation. Go out, create your own energy, get all ramped up on the sideline, whatever you got to do and go out and do what you have to do. So I, I thought it was great just to have football back. I, I don't think that it really impacted, you know, many of the teams more so maybe the teams that won, but uh you know, it, it definitely was different. I, I didn't like some of the gimmicks. I mean, when they showed the fans, to be honest, when they when they morphed them in there, I, I actually thought it looked pretty decent. The couple times they did it, it was kind of, um, you know, they should have either had that all game or like, here's my thing too on the NFL. Here's my mini rant. Like, are we this cheap NFL that we can we can only really put cutouts of the people that pay you money? We, we can't just load up the the most of the lower deck with cutouts. I'm sure that's not going to break the budget, Roger Goodell. But it just seems like let's put the 18 cutouts in each end zone that people shelled out $500 for, for, for a season or whatever ridiculous price tag those things had. It's like I think those actually look decent, uh, you know, especially when shot from far away, but not when you put 10 out there. I mean, I said just paper it with, like, celebrities and random former players and put – um, things that will make people laugh, put them all over the stadium, put like 20,000 of those suckers in there. But, oh no, they got to, if you didn't pay, we're only going to put 16 in the far end zone. We'll put three on the far sideline and, and 10 on the back end zone. That's all we're doing. Cause these cutouts are really expensive. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah that's like one of those things with the cutouts. It's like, I know people are like, Hey man, I check, you know, I got a cutout in the game, but you only really see the end zone like that, you know, for what an extra point or like really an extra point because of the distance, you know, a field goal, you know, depending on it's farther away. So it's like, Hey, that's me section one, you know, one twelve. you know, row five, you know, seat 32. That's my cardboard cut out there. Okay, man. Well, that's cool. And all. I guess, you know, it's like, you don't see it the whole game. It's not like watching, you know, the sport we shall not speak where they put them up right behind, you know, home plate, you know, where you get to see it pretty much 90% of the time. <laughs> Grifka always trying to work in the sport we shall not speak of but like so it was good for a one second Twitter post from some of these people and I'm glad some of the, the cool people on Twitter that talk Lions all day decided to get one and the Lions put a you know took a picture and they got to see it but like it's just ridiculous to me. There, there is not one ounce of my body that would want to pay fifty dollars, one hundred fifty dollars, five, whatever the ridiculous price was. Like nothing in my body wants me to pay a penny to have a cutout of me or of you of anyone that's a, that's a, a Lions fan in my opinion in, in the stands. I mean, the good part is, I guess it went to charity. That's all respectable. People basically just want to give the charity. But like you said, not only do you not see it, like 
it just seems like a ridiculous premise. I mean, if anything, they should have said, hey, fans, I know we didn't let you in. Like, the least we can do is give you a $3 cutout for free and put that up in, in your seat where you'd normally be. I mean, gosh, this, this thing, Griff, the, the Ford Field is like $70,000, let us call it, $67,000, whatever it is. Let's say each one of those cutouts is 2 bucks. <laughs> Like you're you're telling me they can't throw a hundred k at this and load that stadium up and put every fan that should be there in a cutout and call it a day? I mean, hundred thousand dollars is the, uh, I mean that's pocket change for these for the for these people at Ford Field, these executives. I mean, Rod Wood carries that around his wallet. I mean, like you really you can't do this. You got to like say yeah, we'll put you in there, but uh, how about three hundred dollars for the whole season? We'll put you in. We'll put you next to Barry Sanders for eight hundred. It's like. <laughs> It's like, oh, you're going to put me next to Barry Sanders' cutout? Wow, tremendous. Is, is Barry's cutout going to sign my cutout's jersey, or what's going to happen there? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, cutout's jersey. You, you, you get your cutout back with a jersey sign and it's done by, like, some ball boy or something like that. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for my cutout to talk to Barry's cutout all game long. That's going to be an experience of a lifetime. Thank you, Lions. Wow, you guys are just the greatest organization of all time. It's like, what are going to do? Man, Barry's – it's like Barry's cutout wouldn't shut up the whole game. All he did was talk about his time at Oak State. What kind of crap is that? I was looking for stories when I played on the lines, and he wouldn't shut up about Oklahoma State. I'm like, gosh, Barry's cutout, be quiet. <laughs> you know, Barry's cutout, just like Barry. He's He'd be there for the for the camera shot, you know, in the first quarter, and then his, his cutout would be be cut out for the rest of the game. I guarantee it, you know, uh, heading oh. to the, either the buffet or the uh, nearest uh, plane or, or, or vehicle to get him out of there. We, we I'm sure you'd probably want to cut out next to like Lomas Brown's cutout. So that way you know, you'd, have, you'd have, you'd have the game in your head and he'd be sitting there right next to you. <laughs> hey, Griff, we, we got to get to some other items, but I want to do this. I, I meant to do this a bunch of other shows ago. I, I've come around a little bit on Lomas Brown. He He's not only looking slim and trim, but he seems to be getting better on some of these shows. And, and I like some of the takes that he's had. So, you know, he, he's improving. I see improvement there. And he's obviously a great lion of all time. So so n- nothing but respect there. And, and Grifka, here's a bombshell for the people before we get to this ball game and bring Logan on. Rivka, I know it's been fun for comedy as well as, uh, you know, just to get me all riled up on a Friday. But but I've softened my stance a little bit on Calvin Johnson. I went and listened to his latest podcast. He didn't bury the Lions. This was from weeks or months ago, whatever it was. I meant to mention on the show. The guy took no pot shots. He didn't whine and complain. He just sort of did a normal interview with guess who? Um, and then he went away. So I, I actually enjoyed that from the, the parts that I heard or read or whatever it was. And I feel like that was a step forward for Calvin Johnson, in my opinion, as long as he doesn't continue to cry over the $200,000 or 2 million, whatever it is the Lions took uh, from him. And, uh, you know, they, they're still not on good, good terms, but I thought I'd just throw that out there. Lomas Brown, Calvin Johnson, I've softened my stance. Uh, there's a few other uh, reporters I have not softened my stance on because of their questions or their, their coverage of the, this football team. But I just throw that out there, Griff. I'm, I'm coming to terms with Lomas and uh, with Calvin a little bit. Okay. I'm, I'm sure uh, they're happy to hear that. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> Absolutely. It was, uh, it, it was tough for me to do. I'm sure, you know, at time to time, I will still do the Calvin rant for people just uh, to make them laugh as we try to do on the show. But uh, yeah, the, we got all that going. Uh, one more thing here in the beginning. Grifka, what'd you think like last week? Um, absolutely out of nowhere. You know, we're queuing up for this game. We're excited that football's right around the corner. And the Lions just got devastated with hamstring. How how does he say? Who says that? My hamstrings. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) says it that way. But uh, the Lions just dropping like flies with hamstring injuries. And, uh, I mean, Kenny out. Okuda just all of a sudden gone. Can't play in the game. I mean, Hal Vitae has some injury where he not only couldn't practice but didn't even have a chance to play in the football game. I mean, I was not only totally shocked, but it was one of those where I'm thinking, ah, Kenny will probably go. You know, some like I really didn't even know about Okuda that much. I mean, I that was almost game day. It was like, hey, Jeff Okuda is not going to play. I'm like, he's not? Why? You know, like uh, Lions seem to have bad luck. That's really seemed to crep out of nowhere. And we'll talk about more injuries during the game as well. So that's that's a part of football. But, man, it really, uh, really hurt the team. No doubt about it. Yeah, it definitely seemed like it. Like you said, guys just walking off with hamstring. It's like, do you guys stretch out before you take the field or anything like that? Or guys might have to do some more lunges to strengthen those things up a little more or something like that. I I don't get it myself, but uh, it was pretty uh, bad to see those guys walk off. Oh, hamstring. Oh, hamstring. Oh, hamstring. I mean, it's always better than a blown out knee or something like that. I understand. But, uh, yeah, it's just, just like, it's like, what are they doing in practice? Do, do they need better trainers? Uh Better conditioners? I mean, is it running the hill or uh, I don't know? It's just confusing. What I, hate, what I hate about it is, you know, again, it's always timing with the Lions. Like they didn't seem to have much, you know, in regards to most of camp. It was like, oh, you know, little thing here or there, you know, Hunter Bryant, you know, has had missed some practices and, um, you know, Swift had his little disappearance. You know, we weren't really sure, but um, not quite for sure. But like, <laughs> Then all of a sudden, just days before game day, these weren't even like Monday, Tuesday. These were like, hey, Thursday, Friday, and then into the weekend, these guys were going down and, and having injuries. So that that was really disconcerting as well. But the Lions, I mean, one thing I've I've learned about not only the Lions, you know, I've had bad, you know, history with, with injuries, timing, as well as some of their better players are usually always going down. But you know, the, I absolutely love fantasy football. And to me, fantasy football is becoming more and more like a, you got to be a physician to do well because half your battle every week is not only figuring out who's hurt, but like the severity of their injuries and managing injuries and replacing guys from injuries, trying to guess, you know, if they're hurt, how long is it worth getting rid of them? Should you hang on to them? Are they going to be okay? Like, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm starting to feel like the NFL, as much as it is a talent-based, you know, execution type of league, it's starting to become a, you know, who can manage injuries, who can tough it out the most, and who can avoid injuries to their top talent. Because if you can avoid injuries to your top, like, let's say 10 to 12 players for a majority of the year, I feel like those are the teams you're usually seeing in the playoffs. And the teams that are in the middle or at the bottom of the pack are these teams that, just get beat up. Either the quarterback goes down or defensive, a couple defensive studs or a, a running back misses six games, you know, and then they just, they can't overcome it. So I really think that's, that's something the Lions have to find a way to get around. Like you said, we've, we've revamped weight training and all this different stuff and it's still occurring more than I feel like with most teams. So 
I really hope we can can get our handle on that. Whether you know that's something that Matt Pat can do, you know, reforming you know that part of the organization a bit more. He seems to put a lot of emphasis on it every time they ask him in a presser. He's always got some big long answer, but it's uh, it's really was crippling here week one. It did. Uh, it, it definitely put a different spin watching the the cornerbacks that were out there after Coleman got hurt and um, Desmond Trufant got hurt. You know, we, we're down to the guys that you were willing to cut to keep uh, Jason Huntley. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. I'm like, what would we, where would we be at if we cut those guys? <laughs> Griff, could, don't get me upset on a Wednesday before we talk about this football game. You know what I want to do, Griff, because before we go to a break and get Logan in here, you know what I want to do? What's that? Griffka, this is all on the fly. This is all impromptu. How about a Caruso for the people before we hit, head to a break? We haven't done one in a while. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would enjoy that. All right, let's let's see if I can pull this off here. We we, we got to get Frank Ribble in here uh, at the beginning of a Caruso one because I think he put up the most points in the Detroit Kool Aid Cast Fantasy, which for the second year in a row is miss, missing the waffle maker because he's an old you know, crotchety old man that won't do fantasy even for the fans. But so I'll do this one for you, Frank. This is a Caruso for you. I'm going to put you in it like I often do here at the beginning. Here we go, Grifka. Well, Frank, I guess you could say the Lions on Sunday were hamstrung. Rifka, I've got a double right off the top of my head. Well, Frank, I guess you could say the Lions on Sunday needed to bear down. I like your hamstrung one better. Well, Frank, I guess you could say on Sunday the Lions blew a lead, and I'm not lying. Your first one was the best one. <laughs> Grifka, Grifka, don't critique my Caruso's. You don't know what a good Caruso is. Leave the Caruso's up to me. Everybody, we're going to take a quick break as Grifka says, we got to pay those bills. And as Benny Blade says on the Believe in Lions show, we got to go to the pay window. We'll be back right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers? We are back from the break. Me and Griffith talked about some non-game type items off the top, and I ended that segment with some Caruso's which I know everybody out there loves and and this is something I think you guys are going to love as well because as you know on the show me and Griff could like to have some fun I like to beat him up 
The reason I beat him up is he's often the negative Eeyore of the show. You know, the waffle maker, you know who he is. He brings up every little thing that went wrong for the Lions, and there were quite a few in the Chicago game, which I'm sure he'll hit on. And you guys know that I am I, I'm the guy, the originator of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. You know how it is. Drink it in, man. I, I serve it up for the people, the positivity. So what we're going to do today is you're going to get the Oakry positivity because there were some great things in this football game. You'll get the Grifka negativity because I'm sure he's going to bring up the two or three things that he noticed sitting in his lazy boy. And guess what? We got somebody right in the middle who's got a great eye and is probably going to agree with me most of the time, but he's also going to probably have some negative things to say after this football game. And that's Logan Lamarandier from Sports Illustrated. All Lions is in the house. Logan, what's going on, man? Oh, still trying to recover. From Sunday, but I'm getting better oh, as each what? day passes. We played, a good, we played three good quarters. No, we'll get to that here in a minute. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a tough one on Sunday, no doubt. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I uh, It's just one of those deals, you know. It, we've seen it happen a lot, so I'm hoping it doesn't happen again. But <laughs> I can't say I'm super optimistic at this point, so maybe I'll be more negative than positive, but we'll see. No, no, no. No, don't don't give me the Grifka. This always happens. I saw it all on Twitter. Oh, that's so Lions. We're going to get away from that today because I got a bunch of positives to talk about, and, uh, and Grifka will do what he does. So you ready to jump into this? Let's have some fun. Yeah, let's do it. Grifka, let me start here. Let me get us off to a good start here. You know how I'm going to do that, Grifka? You know how I'm going to do that? Um, I have a pretty good idea if you want me to announce it, but I'll, I'll let you take it. All right. Grifka, I'm going to start off by talking about Adrian Peterson, the guy that you said was going to put up maybe 100 or 200 yards for the season. He went for 93 rushing, 21 receiving. I mean, he was running physical. He was doing jump cuts. I mean, I'm not putting my franchise on Adrian Peterson, but man, did he look sharp on Sunday. It was tremendous to see. Logan, what did you think of the 35-year-old running back that had been here for four days and looked like the best running back I've seen in maybe the past 10, 12 years for the Lions, to be honest? I mean, he had some juice on Sunday. Yeah, he did. And even at 35 years old, he wondered why Washington cut him. You know, without preseason games, we didn't really get a good look to see what type of player he was because, you know, sometimes father time catches up real quick. But you look at the last few years, he's been in the league. He's been very productive. And I think on Sunday you saw – just what you've seen the Adrian Peterson the last couple of years where he is still plenty agile enough. Like you mentioned the jump cuts, uh, it still has some decent speed, not the blazing speed that he once had, but you could tell he's just a savvy veteran who knows how to play the position and he found holes. He was patient when he needed to be. He knew when to lower his shoulder. I just felt like he got all the yards that were there for him where we've so, so often seen from other backs in recent years where um, you know, they're running into guys' backs or just not being patient enough or for whatever the reason may be. It's just you can tell that Adrian Peterson, there's a reason he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And I think a, a lot of that has to do with his vision. And he still has that aspect. And even an average or to above average level of explosiveness to his game still, even being 35 years old, which is truly amazing. No doubt, man. Guy chisels out of granite. I was, I was fired up. I did not expect this type of performance, but I told Grifka – going to be up in that five, 600 plus yard range, score some touchdowns. He did not find the end zone, but he did almost everything else we could have asked for on this game. Grifka, before you give your first negative or your first critique, I'm sure that's what you want to call it. Let me just remind you that throughout this episode and on most shows of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, you do this to me. 
That drives me freaking bonkers. Go ahead, sir. Well, first, uh, Logan, I want to, you know, commend you on your tweet after the game. I, 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 I love the tweet. I did not respond, but I loved it. How you said that had to be one of the most Lions, you know, the, the way Detroit loses something like that or the most Lions loss ever. I totally agreed with that. I'm like, yes. Yeah. So I know Derek says the past has nothing to do with it, but I did. I love that tweet. Thank you very much for putting it out there. It just warmed my heart. <laughs> well, I would say it's be the on past. The show. <laughs> I, I, got I would say it's completely the past, but it has been two years of that now. And that's where my consensus. We've had this one into year three with Patricia. So yeah, I want to think things are different, but who knows? Griff, I have one more question before you ask him your question, and that's why you're doing this to me right now. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I, I love using Grifka's own lines against him, but why, why you got to start there? Go ahead. I give your first critique, give your first negative, give your first Eeyore to Logan, and uh, you guys can talk about it and agree with each other about it. Sure. Because I, I don't agree. I, I, whatever it is. Okay. Well, you leading in with um, Adrian Peterson is great because it just leads into my question. Oh, yes, boy. Adrian Peterson, he racked up the yards, but – what we, you know, I mentioned prior that I thought, you know, carry on Johnson, he was going to be the first one on the field. If he plays well, they're going to keep feeding him the ball. He looked very pedestrian. You know, Swift got some touches, but even when he was on there running the ball, he did have the rushing touchdown, but there were points where he looked a little pedestrian. And, and I realized he's a rookie, but for what we were expecting on the running game, how happy I was with Peterson, were you disappointed at all on carry on Johnson and DeAndre Swift, you know, at least rushing the ball? From a rushing standpoint, a little bit. A carry on Johnson. Yeah, like I, I think I saw one play where I was like, I think he could have got more there. And then, yeah, outside of that, there wasn't anything too special uh, that he did in the running game. And it might be a little bit from, you know, ha Peterson having some better blocks in front of him because there was definitely one play where he had a wide open hole led by, you know, Cabinda, the fullback, just opening up any, any of the Lions running backs would have had a good run there. But, um, as far as Swift goes, somehow it, it didn't feel like he led the team in snaps at running back, but he did. Uh, I think that was a lot to do for him being on um, passing downs. But I, from a pure running standpoint, yeah, it definitely looked like Adrian Peterson was the best back. And that is a little bit concerning considering both the backs that were behind him are second round picks. But uh, Swift dropping that past the end, like if, if he didn't have that, I would have been just fine with Swift's performance. Um, and even with that drop, it's like he, he didn't have a drop all last year while at Georgia. Only had three in his entire career, so that's out of character for him. It's just horrible timing, and, you know, especially the first game as a rookie, I feel awful for him. Um, but, you know, this is the NFL, and you're paid to perform, and I think, I think he still has, you know, a pretty bright future ahead of him. Um, I'm not going to say he's ever going to be a workhorse back because I don't think he's necessarily that type of player, but he, I do think he has a – ton of nice qualities so it's I just think going forward you will see you know some more flash plays out of both carry on and swift but if Peterson keeps running like the way he does it's it's going to be hard to take him off the field yeah I agree with you and um I guess like you said uh Peterson he's he, there seemed like a couple times he did get a little better blocks but there were some it seemed like he was getting those yards himself um I, I don't know I don't know. I don't think the offensive line changes their mindset with carry on or DeAndre Swift in the backfield, but you know, it seemed like a lot of times those guys were running into more of a wall than what Adrian Peterson. And I just don't know if that's Peterson's vision, you know, him's just years of experience, stuff like that. But I, I do agree with you on that. So 
Grifka, are you are you done depressing the people? Can I serve up a little more Detroit Kool Aid for them? Yeah, I I know what your second one is too. So go ahead. All right. Well, first of all, I need to tell you this. Know your role and shut your mouth because the people's champ is ready to talk. Grifka, listen up here, Waffle Maker. So I'm going to do what you often do here on the show, and that's piggyback off of your topic before I get to two topics that I'm going to give Logan. First of all, if you go back and watch the tape in your lazy boy and quit looking at it with your negative sunglasses on, whenever DeAndre Swift was in the game running routes, whether he got the football or not, this kid is not only crispy silky, he was he was cutting fools up. He did not get the football deep in the red zone, which would have been a touchdown early in the football game. Are, you're going to critique our running backs? Did you see a walk-in touchdown from about the three, four-yard line by DeAndre Swift? Because I haven't seen that in about a decade, it feels like, where he just waltzed on in, found the seam, got in there nice and easy. you got to love seeing that. And uh, I thought overall the run game was much improved. For, so for you to nitpick it, I mean, that's not surprising whatsoever. But let me go to this. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a double dip now that I've talked about Swift. Logan, Grifka knows. I'm going here number 2. I I got to do it. TJ Hawkinson. This guy this guy was I just love the way they were dialing him up. There there was one play where he came in motion and he just like straight up went from motion to a straight up cross crossing route, left the linebacker in the dust, probably picked up 18 or whatever he got on that play. Just tremendous design by Daryl Bevel. I mean, a great catch in the end zone. They, they were using him and then they just went away from this guy. Like, I feel like he could have been a much bigger force all day long, 56 receiving yards, a touchdown. Grifka's favorite player in football, the number eight overall pick, TJ Hawkinson had a day. And then what about the halftime aggressiveness? Every week I got to come on this show and hear Grifka's second guess, Matt Patricia. And, oh, why don't we go for it? Why don't we do this, that, and the other? Lions got the football back right down the field, touchdown, come out the half, get another touchdown, and then get a stop and we'll get a field goal. Talk to me about Hawkinson and the Lions putting it on him there from about the late second quarter to mid third quarter. Yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah, it is. No, Hawkinson was, you know, in all reports where he was having a great camp and you saw him make a contested catch where he kind of boxed out the defender in the end zone. And that's what I think he really needed to do last year that he struggled with was making those difficult catches that were in traffic where that's what tight ends, that's their job. You know, they might not always be open, but you can throw the ball in the spot and they know how to keep that defender on their back and, and catch the ball. And so he just looks, you know, like the playmaker we all envisioned him to be when he was drafted eighth overall. Uh, you can tell he's super athletic and it, he does look a little stronger this year. I know we mentioned that in one of our previous podcasts I did with you guys that, you know, you, you can't always take all these offseason workouts as every just because there's a video up doesn't mean some guy is going to be great during the season but I, I do think with Hawkinson especially considering that year one to year two jump that you see so many of these great tight ends take and year three even better typically but um, I, I think Hawkinson he's going to be he needs to be a focal point in this offense because he is one of the bigger mismatches on the team especially when it comes to separation as well when he's matched up against a linebacker He's tough to keep up with, and he has great agility, really great agility for how big he is. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to Hawkinson this season. And, yeah, I think he only had like 56 yards on five catches. But if you average that out over 16 games, that's right around you know, 900 yards. So that's, that's pretty solid. So um, I'll take more of that and, you know, just need a little bit more consistency this year from Hawkinson, and I, I believe he can do it. 
Logan, before you get to the second half aggressiveness, I'm having a little fun with the soundboard here today, as you can tell. But, I mean, was was Haka Mania running wild or what? Like, let me tell you something, brother. They need to get this guy the football, and uh, I just think he can be a tremendous force. TJ Hawkinson is going to drop the leg on anybody for the rest of the season. I mean, they just need to, to make him uh, a champion at tight end. I mean, play the music. Hakamania running wild on Sunday. It needs to be the same thing in Lambeau. Yeah, no, for sure. And looking at the Packers linebackers again, TJ Hawkinson, he should be the focal point of the offense. And uh, especially if Galladay, you know, who knows if he's going to be able to make it back or not. Um, but yeah, I, I would expect a big game from Hawkinson against the Packers. And then Griffith's favorite um, player, no doubt. <laughs> And then the second question, uh, what was the second question? Halftime aggressiveness, putting it on them. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, they definitely came out, and that was nice to see because there was uh, the last couple of years, the third quarter struggles. It always seemed like the Lions would come out of the locker room, and they weren't playing well in the third. Uh, but this this week was very different. The third quarter was great, and they scored, what, I think it's like 17 in the third quarter. Um and yeah, have to have to like that, and they need to do that. And then for whatever reason, that fourth quarter came around. But I did really like um, the adjustments that were made after halftime, and just that aggressiveness on offense because they only scored six points in the first half. And you're like, where's this offense supposed to be? You know, the Bears have a pretty solid defense. You know, they're they're a fringe top five defense probably, and uh, the Lions really, for whatever reason, just were able to really stick it to them in that third quarter. Yeah, end of the second, into the third um, as well. So, so Grifka, I've, I've given him some sound bites. I've entertained. I brought up some great positives from this football game. What else you got to bring the show down? I'm sure you got a few things. Yeah, um, I'm going to, you know, leave it up to you to put the spin on how, like, the defense lost all their defensive backs and they were out there playing with cardboard cutouts and garbage cans in the defensive backfield. But that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern really is, like, this, you know, where's the rush defense? I mean, Nick Williams put this tweet out, you know, before the season started, we're ready to flip the script here in Detroit, but you know, the bears, you know, they got to, you know, I, I don't think their offensive line's all that great, but they kind of manhandled that Lions defensive line that was supposed to, you know, all these new guys, Danny Shelton, Nick Williams, better run defense with linebackers still like, you know, Tree Cohen, you know, was kind of shredding them on cutback plays and stuff. What happened there? Oh yeah. No, that's, that was a concern because the Bears averaged 5.3 yards per rush. And you said it, the Bears offensive line isn't all that great. And Tariq Cohn was just finding lanes all over the place. And even David Montgomery, I almost averaged five yards per carry. Um, so it is, I, that is concerning because that's one of Matt Patricia's staples in his defense. Is he stopped the run first and they weren't really even able to do that. And if Trubisky was able to make some more passes, I think it would have been even worse in the second half. And then you saw in the fourth quarter, once Trubisky started catching fire and making some plays, you know, things didn't look too good, but uh, the Lions need to figure out that run defense. Cause again, that's supposed to be their bread and butter. They're supposed to stop the runs and then put these teams in third and long situations. And that's how they can use their scheme to the best of their, or to take advantage of that man covered scheme that they have and not rush as many because they can drop people in coverage and you have to, the opponents have to force the ball in tight windows. But yeah, for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, I wish I had the answer as to why yeah, they struggled against the run. Cause that was, 
moving forward, that can't happen. And we saw how it was in 2018 with snacks when they were stopping the run. That defense all of a sudden just completely changed and was one of the better in the league. So they had to stop that run. And uh, Danny Shelton, I think, did a decent job. But, you know, it's a full front seven effort. And unfortunately, Jelani Tavai didn't look great. He, he had some struggles and missed tackles. Um, but it is. It's just one of those things where if I had the answers, I'd probably be a head coach. <laughs> oh, you guys are killing me over here with this. Grifka, you, there, you, you got anything else to kill the show, or can I go? Yeah, again? yeah, I love the, um, your uh, take on Jelani Tavai because I noticed that as well. They showed plenty of highlights where you mentioned the, the yardage that the Bears running backs were getting. There's a number of times, like, Tavai just couldn't get off blocks. The guard was getting out to the second level, making the block, and he just could not get off it. And mm-hmm. uh, at some point, I was kind of wishing, I'm like, Where's Jared Davis? The guy's a captain. He's a starter. <laughs> but then I realized it's Jared Davis. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll live with Jelani Tavai then. But I mean, that's something Tavai's going to really have to work on, you know, to be, I realize he's a little smaller, but there's a few plays where those Bears guards are really on him and just leaving wide open holes because Tavai could not get off that block. Yeah, that's supposed to be his kind of one of his strengths too. I thought he was better at it last year uh, with just taking on blocks and shedding. But um, yeah, he, he struggled in that game, but I think he can he can bounce back. Um, I've never been super high on Jelani Tavai. I think he's a, a great fit for this type of defense. But in terms of just a pure linebacker, I think he has limitations. But uh, if there's big gaps being created up front by the defensive line, not being able to hold their gaps, it puts Jelani Tavai in a very tough spot just because he has to have a little bit more range. And I, I do think he is – semi-athletic uh, or more athletic than he's given credit for, but he's definitely not going to be one who's going to be chasing people down. Yep. So Derek, there's a little more to bring the show down. So it's your turn to bring it back up. <laughs> I can't wait. Griff, could, do you know what I think about your questions, your negativity, your, 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 I don't even know what to call it today. It's, it's your normal shtick. You know what I think about it? They're all true and there's nothing you can say about it. That's why you can't think about it. That was a disgraceful performance, <laughs> in my opinion. We threw that. Well, maybe yeah, I know I that's what the Lions' defense was. It was a disgraceful performance. I'm pointing it out. Oh, all right. I got, I got so much to respond to. Before I get into my rant slash questions for Logan, Logan, I mean, I got to give you a little grief here on the show, too. Did, did you really just come on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast and multiple times steal Grifka's gimmick line of he's not that great, where I had to even give you a Grifka bell because I couldn't help myself? Did that just happen? <laughs> did. Well, yeah, there's a couple guys, I mean, on the lines that I'm still very skeptical about, and <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting to see something from them. <laughs> okay, well, you can be skeptical, but Grifka charges anytime that people use his gimmick lines. I just got to let you know, and you stole it like it was yours. I mean, that was, that was something else. Now, let me get to Grifka for a minute, the old waffle maker. So you talked about Jared Davis. Yeah, I have a little note here on my sheet. I saw at least four to five times physically where Jared Davis not only read the proper gap, but shot the gap and blew someone up with a physical tackle. I have it physical in all capital letters. I don't know what you were watching where he missed a bunch of plays. Maybe that's what you make up every week. But I saw many a times where he seemed to play really solid, physical, looked stronger, looked a lot better than he has when he's, as you say, missing every gap, can't cover a coffee table, missing every tap. So that's first and foremost. Second of all, you're over here going on and on about the run, you know, run defense. 
I mean, like Logan said, okay, they basically did what the Lions did in rushing. So as good as we felt about Peterson, he already ragged on all our other running backs, the, the Bears had, you know, eight to nine yards more than the Lions. So we didn't get shredded up in the run game. Logan, Grifka had the audacity on our preview show to call Tariq Cohen the best running back in this entire game. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the guy's fast, but then he goes in the hyperbole, acts like he's got him in the Pro Bowl. I mean, it's Tariq Cohen. I mean, he's a little not five nothing, 100 and nothing. Okay, he made a couple runs. Congratulations. Second of all, Grifka was- Yeah, more than a couple there, buddy. The check those stats. I'd say check the stats. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the stats. 41 yards on seven carries. Oh, man, dominating performance by Tariq Cohen. Wow. Six yards a carry, man. <laughs> put him in, put him in the Hall of Fame. He had seven carries, man. He had, wow. he had seven oh, carries. He averaged six yards a carry. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good, man. Times. He caught barely any footballs. Two footballs for six yards. Oh, man, just incredible. Logan, I know this isn't even a – I'm not even bringing you a question. This is a me and Grifka rant right now. I'm going to throw it to you. I thought the offensive line was better. One sack. You know, they obviously created running lanes. Um, you know, I thought they played well for three quarters, and then they fell apart in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, Quintez Cephas looked like a beast. I mean – Fox, our punter, was tremendous, 50 yards per punt. I mean, do I need to go on and on? Like, I know Grifka's bringing you down and you're agreeing with him, which I think is atrocious on the show. But there were plenty of positives for three-plus quarters. And then for about six to eight minutes, all hell broke loose and we lost this game. And before I go on a rant about we lost and I'm still frustrated by it, there were positives in this game to build on. Oh, yeah. No, there's always positives. <laughs> there's always positives to every game but um you know there's again you go you only can have so many positives and then there are the negatives and you have to weigh them but yeah the positives i do agree i thought the offensive line especially frank ragnow and taylor decker played really well you know taylor decker didn't allow a sack only allowed one hit so that was pretty good considering Khalil Mack is lining up across from quite a bit. Uh, Joe Dahl, I thought, played fairly well. Um, Tyrell Crosby probably played more like a backup, and I think they helped him out on his side quite a bit with just tight end. And then Jonah Jackson, uh, it, he played like a rookie performance, I, I thought. It was, it was okay. Uh, he did – I think he was the one who technically allowed the sack on uh, Stafford, but that was, again, probably more on Stafford maybe than – and Jackson, but it's, I was, I was happy with the offensive line overall, especially just when you're looking at the, the running stats where it's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're making some holes. And again, they, they protected Matthew Stafford very well, uh, pretty much all game. And I, I wouldn't even really credit them with that sack. Logan, real quick, can you give me a one word answer on, uh, were you happy with the Taylor Decker contract? Yes or no? Yes. All right, that's all I need. Grifka, no, no follow-ups, <laughs> no piggybacks. That's all I needed. And, uh, and, and like I said, you know, all those positives I mentioned. I mean, I guess here's my thing to you, Logan. Again, a couple more yes or no's. Uh, in the third quarter, did you feel good about how the Lions had played um, through basically three full quarters of football? Uh, yes. Um, when, when you I can only give one word. <laughs> yeah, when you looked at the scoreboard and it was twenty-three to six, did you feel like the Lions were going to win this game pretty easily? Uh, easily, <laughs> no. I I still didn't think it was going to be an easy one. Did you? Would you say there was more good or bad in this entirety of this football game for the Detroit Lions? 
<laughs> bad. Yeah, bad. Oh, <laughs> get the hell out of here. 23 to 6. We're, we're laying the wood to the Chicago Bears. We should have won by two plus touchdowns. And we went into Swiss cheese mode and we lost this game. And now I'm doing negatives where this is Grifka's gimmick. Grifka, do you got anything else uh, to throw at Logan or what? I'm sure you got a laundry list of stuff over there. You're getting me hot yeah. now. You're getting upset. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. Better go, you know. Go find your Zen and just calm down. But okay, so Logan, once again, Derek, get the bell because I agree with you. There was more bad. It doesn't matter what they did through three quarters. Come dagger time. It does you know, matter. Um, they, yeah, it's still a loss. It's a win. You know, it's a win loss game. You know, moral victories just get your higher draft picks. So, anyways, um, with the uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, Anyways, I mean, Derek mentioned that uh, the running stats were pretty much even, and he bagged down Tariq Cohen, and yes, six yards of rush is, is pretty good. Anyways, because they stopped running the ball because Trubisky had to throw the ball. And it seemed, and Flowers had a pressure early, and they had the strip sack later in the game. But in crunch time, where did the pass rush go? I mean, they uh, there was times where Trubisky was just once again sitting back there just getting through all of his reads. And is that another concern to you? I mean, are the Lions still missing that, or is that just not the game they play where they just want to play strictly in coverage even when their backups are out there? They're depending on those backups to do what their starters would do. Yeah, that, so at, towards the end of the game, I felt like the Lions really started going to into that mode of what they were doing last year of not really having too many stunts and just playing man coverage. I think even like Trubisky or Allen Robinson – came out and said that too towards the end of the game. They just started playing man. And that's just a tough situation for those backup corners uh, to be in. And look at Tony McRae, who allowed a couple touchdowns and limited action. And I will give Trubisky credit on that game-winning touchdown. Uh, it was a great pass, a perfect pass. But uh, I think when you put Trubisky in those spots where he's like, when he knows what the coverage is and he doesn't have to think about it, he can just play. I, I think Trubisky... Uh, is at his worst when he's, um, you know, forced to kind of read the defense, make make the play right away, and um, be accurate because he's under pressure. Um, and they just didn't do that. And the Lions don't really have, I don't I think, those workhorses up front that are true threats, like just one-on-one -on -one getting to the passer. Uh, so much of their pressure is predicated on the manufactured pressures and the the stunts and the, you know, linebackers blitzing. And, I know it's counterintuitive because the, the Lions don't rush a lot of uh, – or they're not blitzing a team, but they do use their linebackers to rush all the time, and that doesn't mean they bring more than five, but they're still bringing their, um, their linebackers and blitzing. But uh, towards the end of the game, you just start them seeing the rush four, uh, not, not bringing the linebackers, and they don't have true pass rushers up front to do that type of thing. So I think that's where it struggled, and Trubisky had a lot of time, and knowing that it was man – um, he did put some, he had some great passes at the end of the game. It was completely on the other end of the spectrum of what he was doing <laughs> earlier in the game. Uh, but yeah, that was one of the biggest concerns going into the year was, was the pass rush going to be fixed? And Julian Aquara, I know he's been dealing with injuries, but he only saw seven snaps and he was supposed to be our pass rushing specialist. So I, I'm going forward. I hope he has a bigger role and kind of uh, develops and becomes someone who's a little bit more liable that when the Lions do have a lead and it is obvious pass mode for the opponents, the Lions have someone that can get to the quarterback 
and just beat one-on-one matchups. Yeah, that would have, I think, definitely helped at that point. And you mentioned even when they would bring a linebacker, it was still like they had a three-man front and they were just bringing like one linebacker. And it like wasn't even one of those specialty, you know, you know, you know, run through, they double a gap or something like that. And, you know, confusing. The, it was like, it was almost like the linebacker would come right at the guard or right at the tackle. And they just had to beat the one guy, you know, try to beat them. And they weren't doing it because I don't even think at that point, the linebackers were athletic enough to do that. So when Trubisky's back, they're comfortable just running straight man for early on. Some of those passes were so terrible. It just hmm. seemed to like click just all of a sudden. It's like, okay, I'm going to flip the switch and I got this. So, they definitely need to improve their pass rush and going into Green Bay. And I know the defensive backfield's on, you know, real injured right now, but they're going to have to put a lot more pressure on that at some point. It seems like, I don't know if Patricia's just stubborn or it's just the way, the way he coaches and like, okay, I'm like, you know, next guy up, you do the job no matter what. So it was just very frustrating to watch with Trubisky sitting back there, you know, having some time to throw the ball when they really need to get, you know, pressure on them to help those weaker cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, for no, I I agree. It's it's just frustrating uh, in that regard. That yeah, you know, it's kind of the same defense that we saw last year. And yeah, there's different players, but it's still a lot of the same results. And we we're the Lions were fortunate that Trubisky was off earlier in the game because uh, it could have been a lot closer in that third quarter if if Trubisky was making passes. And then he started doing it in the fourth quarter, and that's that was the downfall. Yeah. There you go, Derek. We brought it back down. Do you have anything else to bring us back up? Are you done go. So, so you're done killing the show. Is that what you're telling me, Grifka? And Logan's over here agreeing with you. I mean, this is just a, a debacle of a show from your guys' perspective. But I'm here. I'm here to bring it back up. I'm here to help the people. I'm here to serve up that D- Detroit Kool-Aid. You know how I do it. I don't even need the sound bite. Real quick before I'm just going to empty my bag on both uh, – positive just takes and then logan you can respond how you like i got it we got about a couple minutes grifka for me to unload on on logan and then you get maybe one more question and we got to let him pub his stuff and get out of here but i got one word for both of you on this mitch trubisky love and this 10 minute rant you guys just went on him on and on about this guy i mean really all i got to say is simply this wow unbelievable i mean ridiculous so so here we go logan this is this is all my bullet points i'm just gonna we went in this football game we got no kenny galladay no number three overall pick jeff okuda uh, true font goes out what i've got here 44 seconds left in the third quarter he made an incredible tackle early on in that quarter that just pretty much i thought had iced the ball game Justin Coleman, our $9 million corner, goes down with a hamstring injury. Tell me if you've heard that before. Hal Vitae can't answer the bell and play. Yet the Lions are still up 23-6 with, what's that, about five or six starters that are dropping like flies? I got to tell you this, the Jamie Collins play, you can give me all this runaround about how you can't put your hands ever on an official. You go back and watch it. All he really did was demonstrate the guy did a fake wrestling bump right into his helmet and then fell back and threw his flag because he, it's like his first time ever refing. I don't even know who this knucklehead is, but I thought, yeah, you can you can use the one rule like Rifka would do, but there's common sense too. Like he did not spear him in the chest, as most people are saying. Logan, the DB injuries just shot us in the foot. We could not keep up in the fourth quarter. The main guy that got roasted and toasted, yeah, his name's McCray. He's our he's our depth gunner on special teams that's out there getting burnt like a 
a bad piece of toast out there on every play. I thought the 55 year uh, yard field goal was a bad decision. I don't know what, I don't even get it still to go up 13. You're still only up two scores, no matter how you slice it. That didn't make sense. The prevent defense. See, now I'm unloading negatives. Now you guys got me unloading. Neg- what are we playing prevent all day for? Why can't we get after the quarterback? Why didn't DeAndre Swift catch the football? This is what I want to know. See, you guys have drank all my Detroit Kool-Aid. I'm on the negatives. That's all I got for you. <laughs> Matt Stafford, stack. You don't throw the football away. You throw a pick in two, three minutes left to basically cost us the game. You've been here 12 years. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Hey, Logan, or no? Well, I will say I, I didn't mind if I was. Why are you so much situation. calmer than me? Uh, well, <laughs> I've been venting for the past like 48 hours now. So, <laughs> All right. um, so on the, the kick, the 55 yard attempt, I actually didn't mind that. I thought it was the right move considering the Lions kicker, Matt Prater, who was one of the best long ball kickers in the game. And yeah, he got kicked it off the post. I mean, it was that close. Um, you know, if he would have made that, it definitely could have helped the Lions on that final drive, only needing to get into field goal range instead of having to get a touchdown. Um, so it is. It's just the way Trubisky was moving the ball, I thought the Lions needed points. Um, I, I understand that it was only going from 10 to 13. It was still a two-score game, but I I didn't mind it. And, yeah, looking back, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe it could have punted, but it still might have had the same results. It might have not. Lions still could have lost even if they punted. So uh, there was still two minutes remaining after the Bears scored their final touchdown. So it's like, even if they did punt, it's just a little bit further to go uh, for, for Trubisky, who is having no issues moving the ball down the field. As far as Matt Stafford goes, wow. I will say, <laughs> I will say the, his fourth quarter. Yeah, it was, it was, Stafford was a little off. Uh, and the fourth quarter was pretty bad where he didn't throw the ball away and took a sack. And then that interception uh, it's kind of one of those deals where you live by the door, sword, die by the sword situation where you always throwing in tight windows. Some, sometimes the ball's going to get picked off and it got batted up. Um, Danny Amendola looked like he was kind of coming open on that play as well. And yes, it was third down where he was trying to get, get the ball to the sticks and Danny Amendola was jammed well by Khalil Mack, the line, which I kind of think threw his route off, but, uh, yeah, just, those were the two things I out of out of that little mini negative rant you had. That was I was very surprised to hear you start seeing. Um, those were the my thoughts on those. Well, you, you guys got me all fired up, Griffco. We don't have any time for any more of your your negative questions, but I'm sure they would have went a little something like this. <laughs> Same with Logan's response. Grifka, can you do this? Can you ask Logan to please promote all the great articles that he writes, pub him up for Sports Illustrated, because we got to get him out of here and we got to do your line and we got to serve up Detroit Kool-Aid on Friday. Can you can you do that for me? Sure. Logan, it's been great having you on the show. Love following you on Twitter. Where can the people, our fans, your fans find you? Yeah, I appreciate it. So at on Twitter, it's at L Lamarandier. Um, you can read all my work. You can find all the links on Twitter or even the Facebook page. I have a Logan Lamarandier Facebook page as well as um, Detroit Lion Lowdown, which is another Facebook page. You can find every a more a fan page where you can find everything. But if you want to go direct to the site, you can go to si.com slash NFL slash Lions. And there's plenty of Lions related materials there. Um, and they keep you informed on everything. 
not only what I do, but uh, all things Lions. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me, yeah, just go to Twitter. That's where I'm most active, and I try to engage as much as possible. Grifka, Logan, this is how we always end the show. We always have one more question for Grifka, but today, because you guys have put me in this type of mood, I got to do a little music to go with it. This this football game uh, crushed the one pride, the Lions fans. It, it was a tough loss. I, I tried to serve up the Detroit Kool-Aid. I tried to be positive. You guys turned me the other direction. I had to end the show on a rant, so we'll just end it with this. Grifka, do you have anything else for the people? Uh, nope. <laughs> oh, everybody, it's going to be okay. Come back here Friday. We'll be serving up that Detroit Kool-Aid. Big, tall glass as we head to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Take care, everybody. We're out. Pack the bag. Stop the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.